Welcome, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have some backup now. Let's try to prove that HRA is better than KTW. Now, yeah. you know what? Honestly, uh, I, I, wanna, I wanted to kind of take the time to look at if we were to book a show, how would it be, you know? How, how would it go down? What would be the, uh, the, the ideas and the matches and who would face who? And how, you, know, you know what I mean? I'd love to just... It's almost like fantasy booking, right? Because it's something that hasn't yet happened could one day happen but you know it's like just vision in the future um and i could think of i could think of a million ideas like uh one cool one cool match would be if we had like a survivor series style uh you know five on five match you know or if we or if we did a, a cross like an actual show like a like an interpromotional show, I can think of a bunch of matches we could have makes a match, you know. Yeah, I think we could do the, uh, the interpromotional show first. Do like one-on-one -on -one matches, and then that could lead up, like it could build up to a Survivor Series like show. So the next show could just be one match, and it could even be like cinematic style, where you know how they're doing now. Like with all this crazy shit that you see it like on AEW and stuff, we could do something like that, where that people running around like, you know, killing each other like all around the arena and things like that. That would be awesome. I could totally, I could totally see that happening if we did a H and KTW match, like a Stampede style match, cinematic. That would be epic, epic. Yeah. I also, I have a million ideas too because there's so many different matches you can put together that it's crazy like even just for me first off if i made the trip over there there's no way i'm leaving without facing you ross and mark i don't i don't care whatever i need to face all three of you before i leave cross that off my bucket list but Wait, very quickly who who is currently the uh, the hra champ that's me Okay. Okay. So you're the HRA champ. Mark is the final ever KTW champ. So I'd like to see you guys go one on one. Unify the belts. That would be my number. First off, Jay, you're great. Ross is great. But my number one choice would be Mark. Not just because we're the two champions, but also just as far as KTW goes, he was like the ultimate good guy. And I was the ultimate bad guy. In HRA. Plus, I stole his music for a brief time. So just the story <laughs> would be great with me and Mark. But even... I, I was listening to to your your podcast with Ross. And I know he mentioned um, my concerns of if he wrestled again, having to change his style because of his back and stuff. Which would also yeah. make a great opponent, I think. Because I think Drew Hay could tell you, I'm probably one of the safest people to work with. Because I'm not the guy who's going to go out there and like do all these crazy things, whatever. I would have matches with people who are not good wrestlers and put on good matches. So if I'm facing someone who's actually good but has to work a more limited style, I think I could probably have a good match with Ross. So 
that would work too. Yeah, one one of my finishing moves is called the rock breaker. So it's basically a rock bottom into a back breaker. So it's like, you know, you get them in a rock bottom position, you throw them in the air, but then you stick your knee out and it kind of goes into a back breaker kind of thing. And so I did that to him like, I don't know, like a hundred times. And this was two days before his back surgery. So we kind of put it into the storyline. Like we kind of blurred the lines between kayfabe and real shit. <laughs> it was amazing. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So yeah, I can, I can, if you're, if you're safe, then I can trust you to, to kind of put together a good match with him. I could see you facing him. Uh, I, on the other hand, I'm, I'm, I'm fully down to go hardcore. So dude, hate whenever you're ready, you name it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. Man, I will. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. As, as KOM, there's nothing, there's nothing I won't do. There's nothing I won't do. So, you know, careful what you wish for there, uh, Lambron. <laughs> hey, bro, aside from the hardcore stuff, man, I would love to wrestle you, like, in a ring. You know what I mean? Like, just have a good a good wrestling match, you know? Absolutely, yeah. We'd tear it up, man. We'd tear it up. Backyard, pro ring, wherever it is, I think we'd tear it up. You know, so going back, back in time very quickly, I just wanted to obviously ask you guys, now that I've got both of you here, what what has the the uh, the dude hate KOM relationship been like for you guys? Like, what are your first memories meeting each other, and, and how has that relationship gone up until today, 2020? I can't stand this guy. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. This dude, this dude gets on my nerves all the time. Uh, I mean, you know, like on my podcast, on you know, on your episode with me, and on your episode with Cam, you obviously you obviously have two different versions of what we met. You know, because I I don't remember imitating or quoting an Armageddon commercial. I don't. I remember like imitating different wrestlers and stuff. You know, and him being there, like part of the little group, like that are just laughing. You know, that's my earliest memory of KOM, you know. And, and like I said on, on my episode, if Dude Hate wasn't the one who was a social one to put everything together, I don't know, H-Ray probably wouldn't even be a thing or whatever. He's the one who really made things happen, and I just sort of went along with it and then would argue and try to stop his dumb ideas. But the good ones made it through, so everything worked out in the end. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that you guys were quite literally like number one and number two, or, or number one tied even. You guys were both the faces of HRA, you know, you guys ran it. In KTW, uh, it was Ross and Mark. Like, I, I have to admit, those two were kind of like the guys that were the front runners of the, of the company. I came in after them, and then I ended up becoming champion and everything, but them two were really like the, the, the first sort of guys to really take over and become main eventers. And that's kind of like what you guys are in HRA. You guys are that equivalent of probably the, the two most decorated stars. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Uh, yeah, definitely. And you know what? Uh, me, well, HRA and KTW, as far as, like, history, man, man, like, we pretty much, like, just mirror each other because where me and Kale were the top guys and then Mark and, and Ross were the top guys, you came in afterwards and then you put yourself up there, like, with them and then with HRA, we were so dominant for so long and then we, we had disaster shoot up, like, to the ranks. 
you know so we kind of mirror you with uh with disaster you know like our history is kind of our history is kind of similar you know I was it's so pretty- true that'd be a great match too glamrock disaster yeah <laughs> <laughs> book it man book it sign me up i'm there as far as us being the main guys well yes that was probably at least at the beginning an ego thing um i also think it was just a a trust thing because even later on i told i remember i told you hey i'm like once i lost the title i wasn't trying to be in the title picture anymore it was like okay we have enough people now who have made a name for themselves that they can go they can be the hra champion they can be world champion whatever i'm just going to be a mid-card guy that's it and so i had a few matches not for any titles whatever i had a feud with disaster i was trying to be out of the title picture and then we trusted this other guy silent shadow to win the hra title he wins the title his first defense was supposed to be against me i wasn't going to win and then he just he didn't show up so then it was like all right who can we trust to be champion again and then i went right back to being champion so it was also who can we trust to be there consistently and carry the title so even when i didn't want to be the main focus sometimes they have to keep reverting to me because we couldn't trust everybody so or other people already had their own storylines that it wouldn't have made sense to then just throw them into something different but yeah no that makes perfect sense what happened to that guy why didn't he show up he's just lazy do you know the answer do you hate I don't know. Uh, he just wasn't. Um, he was good. Like I mean, he was really good. He could get hardcore. He he was you know he was pretty consistent. You know, and uh, I was pretty close to him, closer than than he was with KOM. And I stuck my neck out for him. You know, and I I don't remember what the situation was. He just stopped showing up. You know, and then he he moved away not too long after that. You know what I mean? So. You know, he he's not like a he was he was never a, a like a real diehard wrestling fan. You know what I mean? But he was just down. He was down with HRA. But mm. you know, he just he, he didn't stick to it. You know, he won the belt, and then immediately, like the next show, we had to crown a new champion. And KOM was there, consistent as always. Yep. I was in a lose, but. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I couldn't be champion because I, I I dropped the belt to Silent Shadow, and it was a year fired match. So it was a, it was a storyline. I couldn't be there. I couldn't be there. So how did you return? Uh, well, A Trade, A Trade, um, I guess went on a hiatus later that year, and then when we when we came back a couple months later, we just scrapped that storyline, and I was just I was just back, you know. That's quite funny, actually, that you mentioned scrapping storylines because we had a we had a storyline that we scrapped where Mark turned heel, and he was a proper heel. But we only ever did one show, and and then we had to scrap it because we were like, nah, like he can't he can't be a heel. He has to be the the baby face. He has to be the you know the, the guy. And it was one of them ones where it's like you can't. You, it doesn't feel right if you do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I could only be a proper, in my opinion, I could only be a proper babyface, and I've only ever been a babyface when it came to 
feuding with KOM because KOM is just—I can't outheal KOM. And then even <laughs> when KOM was heel, I mean, even when KOM was a face, he just still kind of had that heel vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. It just kind of forced, you know? Like he's KOM is meant to talk, and he's meant to talk a lot of trash, you know? When I when I feuded with Disaster, when I feuded with um. Uh, detest for the for the main part I was I could be healed you know what I mean but when it came to KOM KOM hates hardcore wrestling he hates dude hate you know what I mean he hates everything that HRA pretty much stands for you know and so he's got to be you know that that's gonna naturally make me look like a baby face you know I was never a great face I was only a face because I was feuding with heels like. Like, nothing about my character was really sympathetic or, like, I don't know. If you rooted for me, it's only because the other guy I was facing was was the douche, you know? Like, but nothing about me was like, yes, I care about the people, and yay, I don't know. I, I didn't think I was a great face, but I was a face for a while, even if dude hate wants to ignore that. <laughs> Once I became there, are, there were some rare times where... KOM was face and I was heel. So like, I remember we had a last man standing match where it was uh, would, okay, KOM, would you say it was you turning face and me turning heel and our last man standing where, where his his faction betrayed him and made me the leader and so he ended up being face, I ended up being heel. Double and, turn. Yeah, double turn and then Two months later, I I lose to him um, in a hair versus hair match. I lose. I lost to him in a hair versus hair match, and he was the face there. That would be the only. That's the only time I can remember where we feuded and and I was the heel. Wait. So did you actually sh- shave your hair after that match? Dude, we got the we got the video. It's, that's the it's most wild video. Oh it's, man, I want to see that. It's because I remember you had the long hair. I, that was that was the old school dude. Hey, that was like two thousand and six. Like yeah, I remember that. But I, I I never knew what happened to the hair. I just thought you you know after the after HRA you just kind of moved on from it. I didn't realize it was part of a, a show, part of a match. Yeah, it was our most watched video. It's got like more than a hundred thousand views. But we privatized it now. You know, when you take something off private, the views go back to zero. But that thing was like, that thing had more than 100,000 views and it was like a hit in like other countries for some weird reason. <laughs> I just got good at head shape. <laughs> That's awesome, man. A funny That's story a- was we filmed a segment um, that was supposed to air after that, but we hadn't shaved Dude Hate's head yet. So it was kind of an awkward segment because I had just gotten a haircut. And he hadn't shaved his head yet. And we're doing yeah. this whole, ha-ha, you lost, whatever. But it's kind of like, how am I going to hide the fact that pretty much I shaved my head. And he still has this whole head of hair. So he came out wearing just like a bunch of like beanies, just covering all of his hair. As in like, oh, I'm ashamed that I'm bald, I'm hiding it. And I had to go there wearing a cap, which I would never do, to hide the fact that I had just cut my hair. It was just a, such an awkward segment, but... Whatever. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> the worst segments. I remember that. One of the worst <laughs> segments ever. But you know what's funny about you know what you what you were saying earlier about the um, the different styles. You know, uh, you might have the hardcore style. KOM might have the more kind of technical style. You bring different things to the table. What was that like when you were putting together shows? Because obviously you must have had different inspirations and and different people that kind of influenced you. So how did you bring that to the table when you were discussing events and shows and storylines? What was the mix? Was it 50-50? Was it, you know, 60-40? What was it like? I feel like it was a decent mix because we had some, we had guys like, like Do Hate, Disaster, uh, some maniac later, um, but like there were guys who go out there, and it was a mostly hardcore, you know, using weapons, go out there, destroy each other type thing. And then we had other guys like, I mean, Diablo could also do hardcore stuff, but I feel like he was more of a technical guy. And doing any disaster could also be technical guys, but they could do both. Detest could kind of do both. So, I don't know, it was, it was a mix. And then a lot of the lower card guys were more just wrestling guys. You know, like, I, don't, I wouldn't say Joker was, like, super hardcore. He tried, but it was more just... For the, for the most part, the lower card guys and and some main event guys like like me, well, I'm a little more on the hardcore side, but, like, Detest, um, Disaster, Bone Crusher, Joker, those guys are pretty moderate. They're not extreme on either side, so it was it wasn't really that hard to put one person against the other. You know, there were I mean, for example, like I could not put KOM up against Maniac. You know what I mean? They just won't. It just, I don't know what that match would have been like. <laughs> can't happen, you know. So, but there's 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 a whole bunch of people KOM, you know, got to work with. But like when it came down to Maniac, like Maniac was just crazy. You don't know much about him, but he was crazy. And really, I couldn't book him in a match anywhere that didn't have me involved. You know what I mean? Or he worked a few with, like, Bone Crusher, C2, guys like that. I was in that. I was in those matches. I was was in every single one of Maniac's matches, you know? So, um, it just came down to... um, Who's going to be in the show anyways, you know, first and foremost, and then just try to see how to, I don't know. I don't know. We just, everything was on a case by case, uh, thing, you know, but is the maniac thing, is that because you had like the most chemistry with him? I think I was the only one with chemistry. Okay. Their styles work together. It was yes. Both of them were hardcore guys. Like I don't think Maniac wasn't a wrestling guy. Sorry, my dog is over here making all this noise. Um, yeah, like I don't think Maniac did a lot of wrestling moves. He was just a really physical, like hardcore guy. And I think Dude hates the kind of guy who could work with that. Whereas putting someone like me in there, I, I don't, I wouldn't know what to do besides just get beat. You know, like I don't know how much offense I'd be able to put up against someone like Maniac where it would make sense. So, yeah, it worked more to have him with Dupay. 
What about um, there was a guy I can't remember his name. Is it a uh, si Silent Shadow? What about him? Who who was his like best opponents that he wrestled against? He say I would say me as as one of my characters, Nacho Libre, because we were a tag team. But pretty often we faced each other one on one. If there was a, some kind of stipulation, like a like a Money in the Bank or like a number one contender or for a title. The US title, you guys had a few. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, he could work with different people. He wasn't he wasn't hard to work with. He wasn't hard to work with at all. I faced him once. Well, I mean, I faced him as other characters in like tag matches, but one on one, I faced him as one of my other characters. And at first, I went in thinking, like, I don't know how this is going to work because me and him weren't that close. And I'm like, I was very protective with who I faced where I wanted to face people who I knew I trusted, and it's like, they're not going to go out there, screw something up, and I'm going to get hurt. So with him, I was kind of on that borderline of, I don't know if we're at that level yet where I trust you like that. But then I went out there, it was safe and it was good, and or he did some moves that were that looked pretty cool, because pretty much my character wasn't supposed to be, it wasn't K1, it was one of my other ones. So just go out there and lose. But it was a good match, and that's why I wish he had shown up to face me as KOM to see what that would have been like. But he didn't show up. So, mm -hmm. hey, Lam, let me ask you: How was it? How was it over there at KTW? Like, did you guys have the same issue, or was everybody able to work with everybody? So the other guys are like Ross and Mark are two years older than me. So imagine I was fourteen and they were sixteen. So from through the eyes of a fourteen-year-old. A 16-year-old seems like way older, even though we know they're not. But that when you're younger, that two years makes a huge difference. Like they were taller than me. They were stronger than me. So there was that whole kind of, it was a bigger gap than it is now. So that I was kind of a bit behind them in that sense. Mark probably had the best chemistry with everyone. The match that I had with him at... Um, we did a show, Final Stand 2, and the match that I had with him in that show is probably, everybody says, is the best match in KTW history. But then by that same token, uh, guys like Ross was really the heart and soul of the company. And if you depended on who he faced, like there was a guy named Aaron that he faced, and that match is probably one of my personal favorites in KTW history. So it depends what your style is. It's objective, isn't it? Like Mark was really good at selling so he could face anyone, but Ross was the kind of guy, I faced Ross like four times in a row. And then by the time our third and fourth match happened, it was pure gold because we developed that chemistry through repetition, through just literally killing each other and just going at it 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time so eventually we just got better and better and i think that's one of those things where you know there, there are some wrestlers that didn't have any chemistry with anyone there were some guys that would sandbag and things like that but you know is you, you just kind of deal with it and you make it work um there was a guy there was a guy that wrestled called venom and uh, he he basically, he just wanted to choke slam everyone. Like, he thought he was The Undertaker or something. And all he wanted to do was fucking choke slam people. And I was like, bro, like, try something else, please. Like, just try it. Like, let's do some chain wrestling. Like, let's do some technical wrestling, man. Like, fuck it. Like, come on. Like, let's do anything but a choke slam. You can save it to the end. And he just didn't. He didn't get it. He just, you know. I was like, okay, so we lock up. What do you want to do? Choke slam. I was like, what? 
Like, you've just locked up. Like, you can't do chokeslam at the beginning of the match. It doesn't make sense, you know? So it just became, like, he was one of those guys, no one, like, Ross, I don't think, didn't want to face him. Mark didn't want to face him. I was the only one that faced him. And I got chokeslammed, like, a hundred times. And it was, like, <laughs> it was the most pointless, it was the most pointless, like, match ever. But, you know, it was cool. Like, his chokeslams look cool, so I'll give him that. You know, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, it's, we're, we're very much the similar. We, we have that same thing where some guys are, they want to do certain things or, you know, they just, it is what it is, isn't it? You, you get all kinds of talent, you know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do we have anyone like that? Um, if you can think of. I mean, I know like, like Rain or Charismatic and Big Mo always tried to do these cool things and wasn't very good at it. But I think the closest to that is, yeah, just him, like, just trying to copy Jeff Hardy's entire moveset very badly, you know? Yeah. So you gave him an entire title match, so... Oh, yeah, we didn't have nobody to face that day. <laughs> and, and Jay, you know, it's when you mentioned Aaron. I, I was telling Jane about him earlier, because when I was trying to think about what matches to have, and I'm like... You know, I'm trying to think about the guys I remember, and it's always you, Ross, Mark, but I'm like, I remember Aaron, too. I feel yeah. like Aaron and Disaster would have a good match, too. Yeah, so the, the, the thing with Aaron is he was one of the most talented uh, guys ever in KTW history. He was super-duper talented. The problem is, is that when we were at our peak, like when we were at our prime, we were releasing uh, MySpace videos every week. And we were doing it like, you know, uh, like episodes, like TV shows. So we were, we were releasing content every single week and they were getting tons of views. And then one day, uh, Aaron and another guy named Paul were, were chilling at Aaron's house and they just one day just called, like they rang Ross and was like, hey, by the way, uh, we don't want a backyard anymore. And Ross was like, oh, okay, well, we, we, you know, we had a, you know, we had like four pay-per-views lined up. We had like a whole bunch of shows lined up. You were supposed to be champion. Like all these things, like we had organized and written out, like we'd literally written it on Microsoft Word and had it like week one, you know, this show, tag team match, you know, Aaron gets beat. Week two, Aaron comes back, does this. So there was like this whole, you know, we, we'd literally prepared so much shit. And then to just kind of drop out for no reason, it, it put, it, that's what led to KTW doing their final show at the time, which was called Final Stand. Obviously, we came back a couple of years later and we did Final Stand 2, Final Stand 3. <laughs> and we just, you know, we kept doing loads of random shows. But it was never the same again when he left because he was such a good star. He was such a top star and, and we kind of needed him. So to lose a big name like that it just had a massive effect on us and, and everybody like the morale went down and you know i still wanted to backyard like i still wanted to do shows so i was doing random other i actually made my own backyard company <laughs> i made my own uh, i can't remember what i called it i called it frw uh i can't remember what it stands for like front row wrestling or some bullshit like that so or, or something fucking renegade wrestling or something like that so 
I was doing shows like in in like parks, and, and my shows looked completely different because I was using um, like cardboard boxes instead of mattresses and things like that. But what happened was eventually Ross and Mark saw that my that they'd come over, so they they'd agreed to sort of be on my show a couple yeah. times, and then all together as a group we all kind of decided, you know what, screw it, let's bring back KTW, do it the proper way. You know, KTW was way better, so we may as well continue that and do it, you know, the way it's meant to be. Uh, and yeah, and then just that's how it kind of came back, and that's how we did Final Stand too. But we never got Aaron back. He was only around in the first kind of the first era, which was 2006. After 2006, he he'd stopped wrestling, and we, we never got him back. And to this day, like we talk about it, and we're like, man, he was so good. You know, he was one of the top guys. So. You know, what can you do, man? Like, some people lose interest. They lose the passion. You can't force people to, to be into wrestling, you know? So, and, and that's un it's understandable, isn't it? You know, we'll, we'll get Aaron back. If we, if we go over there and we make the trip, Aaron is going to be at our show. All right, we're going to make it happen. I don't know how, <laughs> but we're going to get Aaron there. But yeah, there's people who we had at the very beginning who I wish would have stayed later, like um, Venom. He passed away now, but he was with us at the very, like, beginning, before we started recording. And literally, like, the first the first time we, we recorded, it wasn't even really a show. We were just practicing with the camera and stuff. And that was, like, the last appearance he made with us. I wish he had stayed past that and actually had some matches filmed. Um, and when we really first started, there was this guy named Juan, who was pretty much the dominant... Like, none of us could beat him. Because back then, we weren't planning who was winning. We were just legitimately trying to win. And none of us could beat this guy. Um, so, eventually, he just he left. And that's when the dude hates and KLMs were really able to be champions. Um, and then, <laughs> years later, I don't even know how. I, I think dude hate got contact with him. And we brought him in. He made two appearances. One was when Dude Hate was feuding with Disaster. They were doing this whole... Disaster came out and was like, I want to prove that I can be a Troy champion. I challenge any former champion. And one came out. And this was like years after he had made his last appearance. His first time on camera. It was just like, for us, it was kind of a mark-out moment. I mean, other people didn't know because they had never seen this guy. But so yeah. that was cool, getting this guy from the past to then come in and do that. And then, like you were mentioning with you starting your other backyard company... Gene did that. Dude did that. Um, because I guess he was getting upset that HRA wasn't his vision of what it could be. Because with me, again, I don't hate hardcore wrestling. I just don't think every match should be you use all these weapons. I feel like hardcore wrestling can help build a match or help build a storyline. But if you just do it, if every match is light tubes and barbed wire, then it's not special anymore. You know, that every match is just the same. But that's what Dude Hate loves. So he started MHW, which was pretty much the more hardcore HRA guys would, would work a show at some other, like, Saturday in the month. And it was a more hardcore style. But HRA was still going on. And so he can tell you more about MHW. But in the end, what I like about that was we ended up setting up this Battle of the Backyard show. That was supposed to be HRA versus MHW versus JTA, which was these other guys who we were friends with, 
were in HRA for a little bit, but they started their own company. So we had this one show that was the three companies against each other. Wow. That one was fun. Actually, I made a few, we both of us made a few JPA appearances too, but we had this JPA. So it was cool working with each other, but like under different companies, sort of. I would say that that was one of the most historic. I think that shows like very important, you know, in, in the history of, uh, of HRA because how many backyard feds really do that kind of stuff, you know, where they kind of meet, you know, it was pretty cool. And the whole, the whole card was pretty cool. We had, we had, we started the show off with one just regular MHW match. And then I think we had a interpromotional match and then we had like another, just like, uh, a JPA match or something, and then the main event. No, then we had a battle royal with everybody, and then I think ultimately we had like a Survivor Series. We had a Survivor Series match, like a triple tag team elimination match. Jeez, that sounds yeah. cool. Man. Yeah, we had a full we had a full card. Do you guys? Is there any uh, like clips or footage from the uh, the JPA shows that you guys were at? None, none. He deleted the, the the guy deleted them all. Oh man, why why would he do that? Dude, do you, do you still have the Battle of the Backyard though? Um, I gotta I, I gotta look for it. It's not on the Dude Hate channel. I don't think so. We'd have to look that one up because I know I think you filmed it, and then Milton also filmed it for JPA. So. I feel like we had two different, like, I I'm, sure we, I'm sure I got it. I'm sure I got the original copy somewhere at my, at my house, you know? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have it. So as JPA, I don't know if I've ever watched back. Like, I didn't have a lot of matches with them, but I don't know if I've ever watched them back. And the thing is, the guy who ran JPA loves to just disappear all of a sudden. Like, he'll show up. And he'll talk to us, and everything's cool. And then he'll just like completely disappear, fall off the face of the earth for months, and then just come back. Like he actually just added me on—I haven't even told you, dude. Hey, he added me on Facebook the other day, and I was like, "Let's see how long this lasts." But he just—he disappears or whatever. And another funny story about him—he would have been in HRA, but his first show—he um, was supposed to have a match, and it was. I don't remember what happened. Something happened with Dude Hate where Dude Hate was just like, screw this, we're not booking him. That's it. And that's what kind really? of... That's what motivated him to start his own company to go against Because <laughs> they were all supposed to be in HRA together. But then he did that and they all... So that little group of friends started their own company. Like, oh my God. I don't remember what he did. It was petty. I was... um. I was having a match. I don't think I was a dude hate. I think I might have been a different character. And he just interfered, like, out of nowhere. Uh. And it wasn't supposed to happen, you know? And he just kind of came. And, I don't know, he tackled me to the ground, but, like, on the cement, not, like, in the grass area. And I scraped my elbow, and I was bleeding. And then <laughs> I was already, I was already pissed off about that because... Dude already took it upon himself, you know, to kind of just do whatever he wanted. So I already knew, like, 
and also he had very poor manners, you know, like, dude, it was the first time he came to my house, it was the first time we met in person, you know, because we had met online, and, uh, like, the dude just went into my kitchen and just opened the refrigerator looking for something to eat. Yeah, yeah, and that was already, I was already, like, not cool with him, so when he did that, I was like, man, like, forget this dude, like, screw this dude, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, who man. does that? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> real, he was real cocky and arrogant dude back back then. And we were enemies for a long time. That's some weird shit. Like, why would somebody just walk into your kitchen like they'd never been there before, yet somehow, like, they just wander into the kitchen as they please and just you know, fucking open it and start grabbing things? And he didn't, he didn't really know who hate. Because I met him through Iceman, who wrestled with us too. He knew, uh, he knew Milton, and so he introduced me because we all went to school together. But uh, Duhay and I went to different schools, so pretty much I met the guy first, and so I was telling Duhay like, "Yeah, I think he's going to be good." Especially of the three people who were joining, I felt like he was the one who was going to be, who could be the star, or whatever. And then he just completely screwed that up. On his first day, um, and funny enough, he ended up training to go into the Indies. So we all worked together in the Indies, and we were all actually friends and stuff. So that one little problem with dude hate is a yeah, place we ended, up, we ended up becoming buddies. And me, him, uh, and Diablo, we all started training together, like at the same time at Rusty's. Uh, school of Hard Hard Knock. Wow. We, 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 yeah, we, we would get in the car, or we'd all go together and go train. And then Disaster ended up training, um, I think a year later, or later on in the year. Like, we started literally the first week of 2009, and then Disaster probably started training, like, later on in that, in that year. Because I remember his debut in the Indies was... May 2010. Mm. Yeah. And so we all, you know, we all kind of just grew up together, man. It's funny. We started off like real, really not liking each other, you know? And then now we're like best bud. Did you tell him? Did you explain to him, with the, you know, like his, his actions on the first show? Did you say to him like, yo, like you did this, you did that. It wasn't cool, which is why <laughs> like at the beginning we were not 100%. Uh, I think he kind of, I think he knew just okay. at the time, at the time he, dude, the guy is real arrogant. Like he is like the arrogant, the backstage Randy Orton kind of arrogant. The second coming of, of Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. And he looked like Randy Orton, loved Randy Orton, acted like Randy Orton. So there was no getting to him or getting no kind of apology out of him. You know, that's why we yeah. didn't get along for, for a really long time. You know, not till way later, <laughs> like 2008 or whatever. That was pretty much the only guy you didn't really get along with, right? Yeah, pretty much. Because with me, I don't think I said it in the other podcast disaster and i didn't get along for a while because i felt the same way well i mean he wasn't as arrogant as milton but once we started like giving him a push it started getting to its head and so i hadn't worked with him yet 
Like, I never had a match with him. Um, but I just felt like he was kind of full of himself. And it's funny now, because me and his ass are, like, great friends. Um, but, yeah, we did not like him. He didn't like me either. And then we actually started feuding. So I think it was funny, because when we started having our matches together, it was around the time that we didn't like each other. But we worked well together, and I felt like every month we were facing each other. And eventually, we just we got along, and everything was, was fine. But for a while, me and Disaster didn't get along. I remember Disaster getting pretty cocky once we gave him the belt, but I don't remember him not liking you or you not liking him. I mean, it wasn't like a, an obvious, like, what, what, we were not, we were not what we are now. Mm. So. Uh, was that, oh, hey, hey, Lama, was, was it like that in KTW where someone, someone's ego got a little too uh, inflated there and it, and it kind of rubbed the other guys the wrong way? I think I think everyone had egos. I think we were all just trying to kill each other at one point. But uh, there was never, uh, there was no animosity or, or there was never any tension. The only time I can think of any kind of, mm, I wouldn't say tension, but like a like a scene was um, was a certain <laughs> a certain wrestler named Paul that we had, and he he was he was known to be uh, he, he's very good at promos, by the way, very good. But, um, I didn't. I didn't like him at all because I remember he said something about me. He roasted the hell out of me. And I didn't like <laughs> he, yeah, he, he was good at talking. That's the thing. But um, he, the thing is, he tried. So to long story short, I think he was playing a little bit of the politics game. And Ross was the one that was booking the shows. So Paul would be around Ross's house and would be kind of edging towards winning like every matches. And I never did that. I can honestly put my hands in the air and say I never tried to like politic my way into anything. Like if they felt like I was good enough, cool. If they didn't, it was still cool. Like I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, you know, I, I, I cut my promos. I did my shit. But I never like in fact, a funny thing, I faced Paul in one of the in one of my very first matches there, and I put him over, even though Ross had booked me to win. And there was, I, I said to Paul, I was like, ah, don't worry about it. Like you can you can go over. Like if it means that much to you, then cool. Like I don't have a problem with it. So, and it was a good thing because it allowed me to do a heel turn, and then that was like the beginning of my sort of rise. But we, we began to notice. We started noticing, like, hey, wait a minute. There's a tournament, and Paul has somehow positioned himself in the tournament to go over this, like, luchador, and then this other luchador, and then this other guy, and then somehow win, like, the secondary title. Because we had a secondary title called the TX title, which stood for Total Extreme. So it's kind of like a, you know, it was kind of like Intercontinental, but with some, like, hardcore element to it. So... He, we, I noticed, I was like, hang on a minute, like, and I, and I told Ross, I was like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, he's winning every single match, and he's positioned himself in a way where if he, he doesn't need to face anyone that he would normally lose to, so he's kind of, like, sorted himself out to get to the finals and then win. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what, what is this all about? So then uh, I, I kicked up a massive fuss, and I was like, no, this is not okay. Like, I, I got, the, the, there's another guy named Joey 
hardcore and I, I got him and I was like yeah man this isn't right we need to go talk to Ross so then we went and spoke to Ross and then I, we started making a big fuss out of it and then in the, in the end what happened was not only did he not win in the finals, he got to the finals, but he lost to a luchador in the finals. <laughs> and then, just to make matters worse, I then came out immediately after and challenged the luchador to defend his title then and there, and then beat him and won the title. <laughs> so it was a complete fuckery. <laughs> did he, know? he didn't know about all that. He didn't know that was he... coming down, did he? He didn't know that I was going to come out and challenge the luchador, but he knew in the end. So we'd managed to convince him that he was going to put the luchador over. We're like, look, like, don't worry about it. You're going to lose to this guy, but it's, we're going to make you look good. Like, you know, it's all good. Like, don't worry. Like, we're going to turn this around. It's going to work in your favor somehow. It didn't work in his favor. He lost to the luchador, and then I beat the luchador two minutes later. You know, whatever, man. Like, that was the one time that something happened where it was, like, political and there was a bit of conflict. But apart from that, nobody really had tension. Everyone kind of just got along. And, you know, we, we everyone has the egos, so everybody wants to kind of go over. But there were a few people, like, uh, like Ross would put everyone over, Mark would put everyone over. And ironically, those two were the top two. So, you know, it's funny that the, the best guys are usually the ones that are willing to do the job. There was a, as a funny uh, little story when I created MHW. <clears throat> so MHW, it was a short roster because I was trying to adopt a way that LHW, which is another bed with older guys, more hardcore, that they kind of, I would say, kind of opened my eyes to the, you know, the potential and just the way they kind of threw their shows. So... LHW, they were older, they were like over 18, we were still like 15 and 16. These guys were like 19 and 20. So, we went to their show, and these guys had an audience, a big audience, I would say like close to maybe 50 people. Um, they played straight heavy metal during the song, I mean during the matches. Um, there was no storyline, and it was only a three match card. And I was like, this is so much more simple. And, you know, these guys went all out with uh, bats, well, plastic bats, but with thumbtacks glued all, all around. And just like kind of death match kind of traps. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, this is what I want. This is what I want. Because before we ever attended this show, you could ask KOM our match, our our. Our weapons consisted of, you know, water jugs and, you know, crutches and, and plastic lids. And, you know, if we were lucky, a mailbox and a, and a ladder and a chair. You know what I mean? So when I seen that, I was like, man, we got to, we got to, we got to do this. And that was a little bit overwhelming for KOM. You know what I mean? And, and because of the stuff that they were doing, they were intimidating to us and, that was a lot because we used to claim a lot about being like hardcore and all this so that we were just blown out of the water. But, mm. you know, I was intimidated by it, but I loved the idea. So um, when I started MHW a couple months later, I was like, I wanted to do a three match card, no storyline, play music uh, and try to invite some friends, you know, an audience because usually 
HRA shows before we started actually having like a real audience. You know, whoever wasn't wrestling on the card was in the audience, kind of like how WWE and AEW are having their shows. So I was very selective about my roster. I only wanted guys that were going to be down to do like the real hardcore stuff, not, you know, be scared or whatever. So I remember I recruited Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher is this big dude, like more than 200 pounds, real big, um, down for whatever. And then I remember I was telling him, I'm like, man, you know, I want to bring Joker. And Joker was a small kid. He was, I think, I think he was even shorter than five feet. And real skinny, lightweight. He was like the perfect cruiserweight. And uh, Bone Crusher had an issue with that. He's like, man, why do you want to recruit him? Like, he's not good enough for MHW. And I'm not sure how Joker found out. I think I might have told him. Because I was a, an instigator back in the day. <laughs> there was real legitimate, like, beef between Joker and Bone Crusher. And Joker, I remember Joker confronted him at one of the shows. And he's like, you know, so I heard you're saying that I'm not good enough for MHW, you know? And I think kind of to this day, I don't know about to this day, but I don't think that issue was ever, like, resolved. I think they kind of just kept to their ways, I guess, you know? I think they might be together, though. They did have a match together after that. They did have a match together after that. and it was, Did they face each other at Hell's Mania 6? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think they might have squashed that, but that was a that's a funny story there. You know, legit heat. There was always legit heat somewhere in HRA because the roster was pretty big, pretty big roster, and everybody was trying to get their uh, their little shine in. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. That is pretty cool. What Speaking of, uh, how, sorry, go ahead. Oh, like as far as people like trying to negotiate their way into winning and stuff, I feel like we didn't have a lot of that. People just accepted whatever we told them. Like, oh, this is what's happening. You're winning this. You're not winning this. And I don't, at least for me, I feel like I didn't get a lot of pushback. I don't know if you were closer to a lot of them. So I don't know if any of them played to you. But. Well, now dude hates distracted. But no, I'm listening. I'm listening. Uh, did you get any pushback from people when they had to lose matches or wanting to win? Because I think I did it. No one came to me complaining. I felt like if we didn't put certain people over, they weren't going to be down for the match. So, like, for example, Maniac, even um, even Diablo sometimes, like, you know, I feel like, you know, I got to put him over. Otherwise, you know, like, they didn't ever tell me outright, but I could just kind of sense it, you know? Mm. I could just did Diablo, of... did he win the title? Yeah. He kind of shot his way to the top real quick. Wow. Yeah, he was one of the top guys. There was five top guys. Five top guys. Who was it? You two, Diablo, Disaster? Disaster and D-Test. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, see, earlier you mentioned Hell's Mania 6. And I saw a promo that KOM sent me. And it was uh, a very, <laughs> a very entertaining promo. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> what was, uh, dude, hey, what were your thoughts on that promo? 
Because because I think it was legendary and entertaining, but this kind of ties in with what you said about like heat and just you know uh, you know controversial stuff and uh, you know and it's cool like it's cool to be controversial. So what was your take on that that segment? Um, me and KOM, we we literally like like how you did like with the Microsoft where we that was the first show we ever had that had like an actual script. So we had that we had that planned out, and then that segment, I was holding the camera for that segment. You know, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool and entertaining. That's amazing. We didn't we didn't tell Betty anything. Like, <laughs> you knew what I was gonna do, but she didn't. So that was it was hilarious just getting that natural reaction of wait what what is happening? And so the thing is, when me and dude hate. Because we're so close, once we start, like, involving all these personal things in our storylines, I feel like it makes it more dramatic, but neither one of us, like, we're not bothered by it, because it's not like some stranger trying to say something, it's like, these two best friends just, you know, attacking each other, and it feels more real. The same way when I did that hardcore layer on Instagram, and people were getting mad at, like, oh my god, who's this, who's this piece of shit just saying all this stuff, it's like, no, we know but we can say to each other, and it's okay. But yes, it makes me look like a terrible guy, but it's like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be. But that, that's my favorite promo I've done, was the Hell's Mania 6 one. Um, and that's one of my favorite shows, just in general, the whole show. It was great. That one and Hell's Mania 5. You could watch Lamrod like, man, I have, I'll mail it to you like when I'm out, when I'm home. I'll mail you the entire pay-per-view, and I I promise you, like, it's like watching a movie. It's the greatest show ever produced. Like, everything was like a movie. Everything fit, like, just together. Like, every everything had a segue from one match to the next, or, or one promo to the next. You know what I mean? It's, That's it's awesome. Like you could watch the entire thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like a, a real production, you know, like with the segments and the transition yeah. from, yeah, you know. Yeah, we, we had two days of rehearsal. Like, we had two HRA meetings, first ever HRA meetings, where we all were like, okay, there was literally, like, we wrote an entire script for every little thing. Like, we even scripted the Battle Royal. You know what I mean? Like, entries. Wow. And we even rehearsed the Battle Royal match. We were like, okay, well, this is what we need to do. Because Hell's Mania 6 was our first pay-per-view back from our hiatus. So, you know, HRA had always ran continuously from 04 to the ending of 08. So then from November 08 to March, that was like a long time without an HRA show. Like, we considered it like the death of HRA. So Hell's Mania 6 had to be big it was our big comeback show even though it was really only like just a four month hiatus but it was a supposed to be big and man like and, we, and that was our first time having an actual crowd i think we had like maybe 20 or 30 people there but really it was a real it was a real big deal one thing i think is hilarious that i remember about that day i didn't because the night before that um, I was doing this Relay for Life thing. It was like this overnight thing to raise money for cancer or whatever. But you pretty much, you're staying up the whole night. So I maybe slept like three hours. Like I didn't sleep much. And I went like straight from there. I went home. 
I I showered and I went straight to to Dude Hayes' house for the show. We did the show. After the show, we had uh, a friend's 15s or something like at night. Like there was no sleeping at all that day. So you would think I'd be exhausted, and instead it was one of the best shows we had, and that, I had a great match with Dude Hate. And it's like, so would it have been even better if I actually did sleep and I wasn't exhausted? I don't know, but it was such a great show. And so I never, I haven't forgotten anything about that day. That's really cool. How far do you live away from each other? Oh, I don't know. Well, from where I was living at, from the HRA arena, I would say eight to ten minute drive. Now where my family lives now, I would say even shorter than that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're and like... And that's a Hialeah, high right? Yeah. Nice. So if you two had to pick your, you know, if, if you had to pick your absolute favorite match that you had against each other, what would it be and why? Tellsmania 6. Yeah? Just just because of the importance of that show, that show is historic. Like, that's like our WrestleMania 17. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and it was, um, it was the ultimate rock and stone cold match. Yeah. You know? Everyone was the ultimate Bad guy, and then this is Dude Hate's first match. Uh, Dude Hate's first match um, for like nine months because I had lost a year fired match. So it was, oh, the yeah. big, it was the big return of Dude Hate. I was the ultimate baby. So this and, was the return? Yeah, this was the return. Wow. I agree, that's my favorite match. I also think it was fought all over the house. It was a mixture of styles, too, because as much as he loves to complain about me not doing hardcore stuff, I feel like in that match, it was a good mix of wrestling and of hardcore, because we didn't just stay in the front. We went through, like, the whole house, pretty much, the whole backyard, throwing each other into the fence. You hit me over the head with that guitar, which hurt, and then and the match actually started with me hitting him over the head with the light. So, I remember he told me, I was, every time I'd go out there, I'd talk to the camera. I think I mentioned this in our, our podcast thing. And he said, when you go out there, do not talk to the camera. Just be serious. Do not say a word. And that's what I did. I just walked out there. I had a light tube in hand. He comes out being the excited, hey, I'm making my big return. Dude, hey, he's, you know, looking at the crowd cheering. The moment he turns around, I slam the, light tube over his head and that was the start of the match so that's not a KOM thing to do I wouldn't I never used a light tube in a match I didn't use all these different things so it was, it was a mixture of our styles I mean there's plenty of matches I enjoyed having with him but yeah that's the most memorable one where did you get the light tubes we bought them we bought them at either a Home Depot or a Lowe's Something like that. We spent money on, on those things. Oh, well, I did. I thought his dad. His dad would go out there and get the light tubes, get the barbed wire, and then he'd go out there and use it, too. Because in our match, like, he attacked you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, they would, he, him and his dad had some violent, hardcore matches. And, I don't know, if his dad wasn't there, I don't know if we have all these weapons, but... That's incredible. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, we used to find light tubes. So if we if we found it like on the street, sometimes there were like boxes that were like left outside, and we'd just take the boxes, and there'd be like two or three light tubes in there, and and we and then we'd just improvise. We'd be like, okay, so we've got three light tubes. What should we do? <laughs> do a hardcore match, you know? And then we'd just so if if we didn't find any, then we wouldn't do any hardcore matches on the show. But if we did, then we would. The the only time that we invested was for tables so we'd go to like the home depot place and for like 10 15 bucks you could get like a, a like an easy break wooden table that isn't too thick and it's got like those kind of bendy legs so you can just crash right through it and it doesn't really you know it's not like too stable i well me well my dad we would go to home depots and buy like the legitimate tables like for the ones that the dudleys use like we would we would literally spend close to a hundred dollars on two tables to, wow. just them, to just break them two hours later <laughs> you got thrown off the roof yeah you got yeah. thrown off the roof through a table um which i know is still one of diablo's favorite matches yeah that's insane so, if you guys had to pick a match that would be your absolute favorite that isn't of you two, that, like, of other people, other wrestlers, who, who would it be? Like, what, what match did you see of two other guys and thought, you know what, that's a really good performance? <laughs> Am I going first? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot. I don't... Diablo V Test was a good one. That was Hell's Mania Seven. Hell's Mania Seven. And um, another underrated one that I know I really enjoyed was a uh, Disaster and then Puanito at Hell's Mania Four, which hopefully I can find that video one day because I haven't watched it back in years. But I just know I remember in the moment I enjoyed it. So maybe it wasn't as good as I remember, but in the moment I remember that being like, "Wow, this was a good match." For me, it was a match that I had just I had just thrown two guys together, and they really ended up being like it was a really good match. It was a uh, Salad Shadow versus Vandalizer. Mm. I knew you liked that one. It was a it was it was very well put together, you know. And I didn't even script it for them, you know. They had good spots. It had a good finish. And I was like, damn, like, I did not expect that from these guys. I didn't, you know, because it was Vandalizer's first show back. Sonic Shadow's first day back. They had never worked with each other. I don't even think they really knew each other that well. And they beat the shit out of each other. Like, they incorporated the light tubes, the tables, the barbed wire. And I was like, wow, like, that was really impressive. I didn't expect that. That's pretty cool, actually. What, uh, sorry, what show was that? That was Hell's Mania 7, also. So that period of time, you guys were doing, like, the best shows. Like, you must have had so much momentum from Hell's Mania 6 to 7. What was it? How many Hell's Manias did you do? Eight. Okay, so eight was the final one. Yeah, I count that one. I didn't like Hell's Mania 8. Why not? Well, first, like he said, with the whole MHW, LHW thing, for me, my rule was always... If you can't have three matches, you might as well not have a show. 
like, and Hellsmania 8 was only two matches. And I, I felt like, I don't know, I didn't like that. And then, plus I haven't watched the matches back, so maybe if I did, maybe they were good. But I didn't like my performance in my match, so I just feel like for that to have been my last match is disappointing. So I feel like the Undertaker here, where it's like, I need one more match. I need that, <laughs> that ultimate, like, okay, and now I'm done. And I don't feel like that was it. And I feel like the matches before that one were good. And that one just wasn't. So. Yeah. I agree. I agree with KOM. I would say the show was 50-50 literally because it was two matches. One was really good and the other one was god-awful. Not not our best Hell's Mania. Definitely not. I I always say 6 was our best because it wasn't too hardcore. wasn't terrible. Everything about that that show is is legendary. Mm -hmm. About that show is legendary. I'm going to send you a DVD when I'm out, when I'm home. I'll send you a DVD. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Even if you could get um, the whole show on YouTube, would it fit, or is it too long? In one file? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I've never tried. I have all the individual clips. It just depends on whether I make them public, or if there's any other way to get it. I don't know. We have to figure out, but I have them. You should do, like, a HRA network. Similar to the WWE Network. <laughs> hey, me and Carolyn, we, we were, uh, well, I was joking about it, but saying how, you know, we had all our videos privatized, and we could just start re-releasing them and see how it compares to the current feds. Like, whatever teenagers are back at wrestling these days, and just like, I don't know. I don't know. Just exactly. Like, yeah. It's a genius idea. It's a great idea. I think you should. Yeah, I um, I did it actually. I, I, I uploaded them, but I privatized them because I wasn't sure. But I was thinking in my head, like, probably the shit that we did when we were younger is, is probably... I, I mean, I've not seen the stuff today, but I'm sure it's better than the stuff today. That might oh, be my no. ego talking. <laughs> no, no, because it was a different time. Echo Wrestling was, was really a thing back then. And then today, I'm sure... You know, the closest thing you'll find is, like, trampoline. Mm. It would be my guess, you know? I haven't really, I'll I'll admit, I haven't really gone out and done a good search on YouTube for some uh, backyard feds. Because, you know, what makes us, what makes HRA and KTW so different was our, uh, we stayed doing it. Like, Mm. doing it all the time. And federations like like, your average backyard fed would just be whenever the hell they can. You know what I mean? And you're not, you know, it doesn't really last long. People go a lot, they go out of wrestling. You know, we stayed, we stayed dedicated. We stayed dedicated to, to wrestling. Even today, like, KOM's a ring announcer. I, you know, any day now, I'll be back in the ring. Like, nothing has changed. On, on this end, nothing's changed, you know? Nothing has changed with, with me or KOM or Disaster and Diablo, like we're we we still love wrestling just as much as we did when we were younger. We take any book as we can. We hit the road, and you know I think that's what makes us like stand out. Do you think that when you come back, you would work for ICW? 
Um, <laughs> I, I would work. I I would work for ICW. I don't know if ICW wants me. Uh, I would work for ICW. Okay. <laughs> I would. I have to go back and watch some old KTW stuff. Now with all this reminiscing about HRA, now I need to watch these final stands and watch all these old plans and, and Ross and Mark matches. I'm going to send you guys a link, and it's one whole show, and it's Final Stand 2, okay? And it's like a, oh, I don't even know, it's like an hour long, or an hour and a half. It's like a proper show with segments, everything. And you'll see what I mean when I tell you about the, the Chokeslam guy, because he's in it. And you'll also see the, the, the main event is me versus Mark for the title. And that was, the, that was what everybody said was probably the best match in the company's history um before that match though was ross versus paul and that was an amazing match as well loads of technical wrestling they had hardcore spots in there as well i think there were light tubes involved so it was, it, it was one of those moments where they had such a good match you'd think how is anything going to top that and then obviously me and Mark happen, which I don't really think it tops it. I just think it's an alternative. I think they're both the best match in their own way, just completely different styles. So t take a look at it and let me know what you think. And I guess this is what leads on to my kind of eventual question that I've had burning in my head. If we did a show, a joint interpromotional show, what would it be called? And what would the card be? <laughs> I think, I think uh, if I to keep it simple but awesome, but to just call it. Um, well, I got two options. We could call it Battle of the Backyard Two, or we could call it just HRA versus KTW, or HRA and KTW presents something. But. I like just HRA. I would like a cool HRA versus KTW poster with three top HRA guys on the left <laughs> and three top KTW guys on the right. You know what I would like? Because you guys, you guys had Hell's Mania, which was your biggest show, and then we had Final Stand, which was our biggest show. So I'd, I, I used to vision things in my mind where it was like the combined together. You know, so I'd call it like the final hell's mania you know and it's just one big crazy like fucking show where everybody dies and then that's it like it's the ending you know to backyard wrestling <laughs> like that's that's how i vision it final hell's mania or something like that you know or if, i don't know you know you know what i mean like when you just merge like words together i love it the final hell's mania <laughs> you go out i feel like that would be a good way to go out would be exactly KTW, and exactly. as far as matches go, again, that's where it's going to get complicated because there's so many like dream matches that I can put together there, and having to decide like one is hard. Hey, what's the name? What's the name of that wrestler that supposedly died two different ways? Uh, Anthony Trantman and Salmiak. <laughs> I wonder if we did a tribute show, and then really, we did. I don't remember which one of our shows. I'm sure if we go back uh, to our like live journal that had results, one of them would have said the Anthony Trentman and Somniac Memorial Show. Um, and then he ended up returning like soon after. I was like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, um, he had a match with Aaron, and Aaron got him in a sleeper hold. And then, you know when the ref does the thing with the arm, where it's like, one, two, and then on three, they start, like, you know, hulking up, like, powering out. Well, he, on three, his arm just fell, like it dropped, and they're like, oh, shit, like, Anthony, wake up! wake up and he just wasn't waking up he w wasn't responsive so after that point in reality he was just moving he moved he moved from uh, from london he'd gone to like ireland so he he's, so he couldn't backyard anymore so we needed to like figure something out so we're like okay why don't we just do this <laughs> and they just did that why i know you guys ended up changing the story changing the events of how he he died i don't remember that second verse but i was like hey did any didn't he die this way? Like he pushed off a fence or something? Like something like that. Um, I can't remember. Like, I think, I think people at school were asking too many questions or something. Like, because because everybody believed the kayfabe, and we didn't reveal the. You know, you got to protect the business, so we didn't reveal the the truth. So everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like, did this guy really? You know, because he he literally vanished. Like, he packed his bags and his family, and they all moved to Ireland. So we, nobody ever saw him again. So people just assumed that it was real. So we had to like refigure it out or something like that. I'm not too sure. It was. Uh, it would be funny to uh, look back on that. Um, I'll ask Ross because. I think he was the one that was uh, booking the show, so he kind of, and he was there at the time, so he knows exactly what would have happened on that show. But um, so card-wise, I think uh, I think a good main event could be the the HRA champion versus the KTW champion as a main event, singles match, KOM versus Mark Marcus Jolt, one on one. I could see that being a storytelling match. Uh, so I think before that, as a co-main event, you could, you could easily put Dude Hate versus Jay Lamrod, hardcore, like, no rules. I don't know, you can call it anything you want to call it, right? Unsanctioned, um, no call it, uh, Just call it an HRA match. <laughs> yeah. HRA style match, because uh, your standard HRA match was hardcore. It was never no disqualifications or a rope break. Yeah, you either got out or you didn't. <laughs> that's a good point, actually. So some of the matches could be HRA themed, and then some could be KTW themed. Because with KTW, we had the mattress. So with with the mattress, we were able to do more like more kind of just suplexes and things like that. We could do vertical suplexes and you know not completely destroy each other's backs and things like that. So you could do like a KTW themed match. What's I that? Already came up, I already came up with a cool spot where you and we'll start off KTW rules because I'm, you know, you're the home team. And, and I guess when I pick up the heat or when we start getting close to the finish, I just flip the matches and I'm like the hell with this matches. And then we just, <laughs> I go straight HRA style, but then you end, you end up, you end up messing me up. You, you, you end up giving me a vertical suplex just on the ground. Or on top of I don't know. That would be cool. I'm totally okay wrestling a KTW style match. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I could see a lot of good things. Uh, I could see a disaster versus Ross Bain. That could be a thing. 
and then finally we could we could even end it with uh, with a survivor series match and just everyone comes back for the match and we could call it because we were going to do a pay-per-view one one time we never got to do it and it was called civil war and I, I always thought that would be a cool name for a pay-per-view you know civil war like it sounds like some kind of avengers movie like you know it's, it's got that like epic feel to it so i felt like we could do it our match could be like a civil war match even though technically it's not a civil war because a civil war is between people them, like themselves this is just straight up war but still so yeah. we're all family it's a civil war that's fine <laughs> hey, real, real uh real quick because hra does have a history we've had female matches like female wrestling matches not a lot Really? Where did you guys ever try to get like your girlfriends to wrestle each other, or ever try? Was it ever like a th a thought, you know, to to try to bring girls like in, or, or was it just like just you and the you and the guys? There was no one um, courageous enough. Like we didn't know any, you know, anyone that was willing to take bumps. You know, um, I know like Ross had a, a girlfriend at the time who would like, you know, watch the shows or, you know, so every now and then there'd be somebody that agrees to be in a segment, you know, like we had a friend and she agreed to be in like a promo backstage and things like that. But it was more comedy, like it was more like a two minute promo. It was never like they, they, they never took any bumps or anything like that. Um, you know, it's a shame, actually. We never thought of it. In hindsight, if there was, like, if there were, you know, women or girls that were willing to do suplexes and, and have a proper match, then we would have booked it. But we didn't know any that were, like, fans of wrestling. And so, so you know, you know what it's like. Like, people, they, they, they don't want to take bumps unless they're, like, unless they, you know, really want to do it. So it was one of the, we couldn't convince anyone and nobody had the guts to kind of give it a try. So... I guess we just never got around to it. How did you guys get that match done? I, I never saw the match with uh, uh, female wrestlers. What was it? When did that happen? I mean, we didn't have a lot of female. Like, we had the same problem trying to convince girls. Like, we tried to convince girlfriends or try to convince just like any girl we knew. Hey, do you want to come over or whatever? No. Eventually, I convinced some of my friends to just watch our show, but to get them in it was hard. The one consistent female we had was my sister. And it's because when she started, she started as our our um, our camera person. She was the one who would record our stuff. So then um, I actually, we had filmed this, this segment just one day I was at home. It was me, her, and then like my, uh, my sister-in-law's little brother. And we just decided while we were like, oh, let's practice with the camera. We just filmed random matches here, not even HRA related. And then in her match, she just went off on this, this thing afterwards where she was just like, oh, they're coming. The voices or whatever. Like, she just went off on this promo that was just like, okay, I don't know where this is coming from. But we ended up <laughs> turning that into making her D-Test's manager. Because then um, D-Test was gone. I think he was in Colombia. So he hadn't had a match in a while. We were going to do this big return for him. And so we brought my sister in to be like the, he's coming. Um, and then eventually he made his return. And she's like, oh, he's here. And so she was the first female presence we had. Well, there was one of Dude Hate's ex-girlfriends who wrestled a match like years before. 
and that was the first female, but my sister was the first consistent one, and then we didn't have many other ones. I convinced one of my friends to face my sister at Elfmania 4, um, which is the only... No, there's, there's been two. Uh, but that was one of the few female versus female matches. And then there was some other girl who, I don't know, knew dude, hey, or knew somebody there and didn't know my sister. We're just like, oh, hey, there's another girl here. Why can't we just throw <laughs> you guys together? Uh, but yeah, most of the time, my sister would face the guys. Like, she she had a match with me and dude, hey, a triple threat. And she would face all these other people. But getting girls to agree was not easy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm proud of those, uh, the, your sister and that other girl to actually do a match. You know, that's quite legendary to be one of the only, you know, chicks to wrestle in HRA. They're like the HRA's version of uh, Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good talking to you guys, man. I think it's been a good episode. It's been one of my favorite episodes so far. I think uh, we're finally slowly coming to an agreement on what a HRA versus KTW show would look like. I like your suggestions. We just need to make it a reality now. Exactly. It's a good idea. I think slowly but surely it's going to, I think uh, eventually it's going to happen. One day uh, the worlds are going to collide. It's going to be like a... Do you remember on SmackDown vs. Raw, on the soundtrack, they used to play uh, that song, it was the Worlds Collide song. It was on, I think it was on SmackDown 2006 or something for PS2. It was the first one, it was the first SmackDown vs. Raw. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe actually, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that was a classic. It's on the, it's on the trailer for the first SmackDown vs. Raw. Yeah. That's it, man. I think uh, I think as the time progresses and it becomes more and more of a reality, we'll have like a logo happen where it's like your logo and our logo and, you know, like the poster <laughs> and the top three guys, like you said, and all of that. So we're just around the corner, man. It just it, it will happen. I truly believe it. And, and it's true what you said earlier um, when you said that the thing about HRA and KTW is that we've never stopped backyarding like or we've never stopped wrestling we've always been consistent so with with backyarding we were consistent we, we kept doing shows we carried on and then even in the pro kind of world like we just kept going like we kept, we never we never gave up if that makes sense so i think um i think that's why we were so successful and that's why we were good at what we did you, you know yeah i agree with you 100 percent I think you guys need to uh, convince Ross to make a, a comeback. And, and if that means having a match with KOM, then so be it. I think you need to convince him. You need to call him out and, and make him come back. <laughs> I will. I'll start seeing my, my promo already. <laughs> exactly. I wish you would have been here. For, uh, I wish you would have been here for this, uh, this episode. I w I've always wanted to talk to Ross. I always consider him like the dude hate over there. You know, what? you know what then I, I will get him on I will get him on next time then I think that that, that would uh, that would be a good uh, episode 3 I think a fatal 4 way yeah yeah yeah. I think you guys need to message him and call him out and you need to say to him like where are you why are you not doing it let's do it and then that way he'll, he'll like once he hears that he's like okay like it needs to be done you know yeah, where's where is he active? Because I, I have him on Instagram, but he don't 
you know, he doesn't post anything on Instagram. I don't know if I have him on Facebook. I'm not sure. I don't know if he even has a Facebook. Yeah, I don't know if I have him on Facebook, to be honest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really use it anymore. But I, I, I only use Instagram now. But um, he's on it. He's on it. I speak to him every day or so. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna shoot him. I'm gonna shoot him a message immediately after after this episode's over. Yeah, drop him a DM and then just just call him out. Say to him he needs to be here. And then next week or, or the week after, whenever we'll we'll do it and we'll do it proper and we'll get his opinion on everything as well. Okay. Yeah. And it'd be nice to talk to him too since he was the booker, you know, to get. No. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I've got a lot of questions for him as well. So, yeah, absolutely. It's true. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, it's good talking to you guys. Let's do it again soon. All right. Nice talking to you. And you too, Hey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jim.